We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. It's fun Friday, and we got a little bit of Lakers news today about the coaching search. Found out a little bit more about the Russell Westbrook situation and possible trades as well. And, of course, there's those pesky Zach Levine rumors to get into. We've got a lot to talk about. Welcome in. Um, if you're joining live from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter... This is our, our earlier show of the week. Typically, we aim for right around 9 o'clock Pacific time in the, in the evenings. But on Fridays, we kick off the weekend with a little bit of Lakers basketball talk. And if you're listening to the podcast version of this, please go leave us that five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. We certainly do appreciate that. Already seeing plenty of questions and comments coming in, people asking about the coaching search. And I guess really that's the place to start out. So the word we got today. Coming from Adrian Wojnarowski initially, and then of course Shams had to jump in as well because that's that's how it goes with their back and forth one-on-one -on -one battle. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski revealed that the Lakers have moved along a couple of people to be finalists in their search for a head coach. Those being Terry Stotts, the former head coach of the Portland Trailblazers, and Darvin Ham, who is an assistant coach right now with the Milwaukee Bucks. Shams then came along and said, not only is it those two, but Kenny Atkinson, who's currently an assistant coach with the Golden State Warriors, has also been moved into a finalist position. Now, I want to stress this. That doesn't mean these are the only people in finalist positions for the Los Angeles Lakers. If we get word eventually that the, it's just these three and that's it, Okay, then we can move forward with that. But just kind of keep in mind, there could be other names out there. Woj's initial tweet was worded in a way that suggested, look, these are among the finalists, but that means there, there could be more. Um, and then, of course, Shams came along and added Kenny Atkinson to the list. So that doesn't mean these are the only three that they're looking at. So if you had somebody who is a favorite of yours that you don't see there, not among those three, uh, maybe there's still a little bit of hope. There's still a little bit of hope because, again, there could be others. But... Of those three, I think there's some really interesting guys here, and they're very, very different. Um, they're very different in terms of what you're getting from each one. Terry Stotts, you've got a proven head coach that's been in the NBA for a long time, as many, many years as an NBA head coach under his belt. I tend to see him as like a slightly less offensive-minded Mike D'Antoni in terms of the way he approaches basketball. Very good offensive mind. Mike D'Antoni is all offense, no defense. Terry Stotts is on that wavelength, but not quite as far in terms of how offensive-driven he is. You're probably going to see a better Lakers offense with Terry Stotts at the helm. The question is defensively, and to me, it, he sounds an awful lot like reverse Frank Vogel, where Frank Vogel was very strong defensively, offensively, eh, maybe maybe some some leaving something to be desired there. So that's the way I see Terry Stotts. Again, benefit... He's been a head coach in the NBA for a long time. And I think when we're looking at the situation, as easy as it is for us to say, no retreads, we don't want these guys that have failed somewhere else, why would we want to do that? Let's get fresh ideas in here, let's go with Darvin Ham. Look, I'm on board, I'm on board. But I'm just cautioning, 
from an organizational standpoint, when I look at the Lakers, when I look at the situation that they're in right now, I think they would be foolish not to consider what a veteran would bring versus what stepping into the Lakers situation would mean for a rookie head coach. I think that it's, it's not the end-all be-all. I'm not looking at this if I'm the Lakers as I'm only getting a veteran head coach because how on earth is a rookie head coach ever going to deal with LeBron and AD, two megawatt superstars that are in the fold, dealing with that by itself, that's that can be a challenge for a coach um, to retain that authority while you still have LeBron on the team. That's, that's difficult. And then who knows what happens with Russell Westbrook? What do you do with, with that situation? Imagine if he comes back and you've got a rookie head coach in there like Darvin Ham. That's a difficult scenario. And then you throw on top of it, it's the Lakers and the spotlight on the Lakers, not to mention they had the worst season ever last season the worst lakers season ever in my mind i've been saying it for a while now you and you it's going to be your job to right that wrong that's a lot that's a lot to put on a first year head coach and again i'm not saying darvin ham can't overcome those things i think he can i am if i had to pick one of those guys i'm picking darvin ham i just say i'm just saying from an organizational perspective you have to consider that if you're not considering that you're doing it wrong you're doing it you have to consider that dynamic and you have to be sold on Darvin Ham being able to overcome those things. Um, he's very well respected. He's widely seen as an NBA head coach who should have already had a, a job, right? A lot of people have seen him as this is the guy who should already be a head coach and it's crazy that he's not yet. It's almost like when you start getting deep in the draft and people are saying, how is this guy still on the board? How has nobody picked this player yet? And we saw just recently in the NFL draft, look how long some of the quarterbacks lasted. And people were saying, how are these guys still out there? Similar thing here with Darvin Ham, same kind of vibe where people are looking around saying, how is this guy not a head coach yet? And in particular, he's coming from a successful organization with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, I think he's a very interesting candidate. And then we go to Kenny Atkinson, who's totally different. Kenny Atkinson has that head coaching experience, but he's seen as more of a player development type guy. So is that a situation where if you bring in Kenny Atkinson, do you look at this and say, well, LeBron kind of coaches himself at this point. LeBron kind of does what LeBron's going to do. These are veteran players. Let's get a coach that's going to really help bring up the back end of our roster. The younger guys, the Austin Reeves, the Taylor Horton Tucker, Stanley Johnson, Wenyan Gabriel, whoever else they get. Let's get somebody who's going to bolster that side of the lineup so we have that depth because he's going to bring along our younger players a bit faster. So maybe we bring in a Kenny Atkinson and LeBron is still LeBron, AD is still AD. We'll see what happens with Russ. Maybe you trade him for some veterans, something like that. We'll talk a bit more about that in just a minute. But if you do all of that and you bring in Kenny Atkinson, maybe you can round out your depth a little bit more by fast-tracking some of the younger players with him. So there's some intriguing things for each candidate that they all bring. Again, if I'm forced to pick one, I'm picking Darvin Ham. But here's the thing. Our Lakers Nation group text today was um, had a great idea. We started talking about what do you do in this scenario? Who do you pick? And somebody, I want to say it was Sean Davis, threw out, let's hire Darvin Ham. No shocker, right? Sean would say, let's hire Darvin Ham. He's like the biggest Darvin Ham fan on the planet. But he said, hire Darvin Ham, but then make Terry Stotts your lead assistant. Now, I don't know if Terry Stotts would even be open to doing that. But I think that's a very, very smart way to go about it if you're the Lakers. If you're going to bring in Darvin Ham, and I think that's the right move. That's Again, that's me. I don't think the other guys are necessarily wrong. But if I had to pick, I'm picking Darvin Ham. Support him. Support him with veteran coaches who have experience. Kind of like what the Nets did with Steve Nash. Kind of what like what even the Lakers did with Frank Vogel when they put Lionel Hollins on the bench with him, Jason Kidd on the bench with him. They gave him that support. I think that's something that is incredibly important to do if you're going to go with Darvin Ham. So that would be my option. I don't know, again, if Terry Stotts would be open to that. Kenny Atkinson, is he really going to leave being an assistant in Golden State to just be an assistant somewhere else? Eh, probably not. But interesting, those are the three names that we know for sure that are candidates for, uh, for the Lakers' spot. Uh, XRP boy Bradley said, what happened to my man's Mark Jackson? And this is with a super chat. He seemed to be the most qualified. What do you think? So we heard some little rumors, some whispers here and there that Mark Jackson, the Lakers, 
it was more an interview just to go through the process. Maybe they were doing somebody a favor or something like that, but that he wasn't necessarily a real candidate. And there's some things, if you look back on the Golden State Warriors and what happened with Mark Jackson, some things, things off the court, things of that nature, you could see why the Lakers might be a little bit hesitant. Now, on the flip side, you could say Mark Jackson laid the foundation for the Golden State Warriors. Uh, if you're a Mark Jackson proponent, you're saying he built the foundation for the Warriors. The Warriors were a juggernaut after that. Steve Kerr just took that and pushed it over the top. But it was Mark Jackson who did most of the, the, the heavy lifting, the building. And so why wouldn't you go with him? I understand that. But from what we've heard, and maybe we get surprised, but from what the, the whispers that have been out there have been that he's not a true candidate for the Los Angeles Lakers. And we did see that he didn't get the Sacramento Kings job. Instead, Mike Brown uh, got that job. He's currently an assistant with the Warriors and instead will jump over to the Sacramento Kings at the conclusion of the season. So I don't know. I, I'm not going to totally count anybody out at this point. Again, we've heard our finalists. Mark Jackson was not named as a finalist. I know there's a lot of people who really like him. I wouldn't say it's necessarily the wrong hire. It just doesn't feel like that's the direction the Lakers are going right now. But again, maybe they maybe they surprise us. Cecil Jackson with the Super Chat said, With Darvin Ham, do you believe he would implement the defensive strategy the Bucks use, or do you feel like that's a product of Mike Budenholzer? Giving up wide open threes is a recipe for disaster. The Bucks are so good everywhere else, and part of that is Giannis. Part of that is the rest of the team buying in, though, um, that that it works for them or has worked, giving up as many threes as the Bucks do in general, it can be a problem. Uh, it can be a, a big, big problem, particularly in today's NBA. My belief is that he would adjust to the team. See, here's the thing. With some sports, some sports, like particularly if you look at like college football, right? It's all the coach and the coach's system and the players have to fit into that. The NBA is the exact opposite. The NBA, it's on the coach to adjust to the personnel, right? Mike D'Antoni is always going to want to play fast. He's always going to want to score score the basketball, not going to focus a lot on the defensive end. Every coach has their own coaching philosophy, their own coaching style. But it's also expected that the coach will adjust things to fit the players that are on their team. And so we saw that with Frank Vogel, where what we've heard is that a big part of the reason why Frank Vogel was dismissed is because he wasn't able to adjust and adapt and make Russell Westbrook fit. Now, maybe that's an impossible task, but that was looked upon negatively by the Lakers, his inability to get Russell Westbrook to fit. It was on Frank Vogel to adjust, to adapt, to be flexible. And so in my mind, Darvin Ham, if he came to the Lakers and he saw the personnel and said, this defensive scheme isn't going to work, we need to tweak it in this way, in this way, in this way, that's just normal for NBA head coaches. I don't look at any head coach necessarily with Again, Mike D'Antoni being perhaps the exception because he's so locked into his offensive philosophy, but most NBA head coaches understand that if they're going to stay as a head coach in the NBA, they're, they have to be adaptable. They have to. They have to be adaptable. It's like teaching junior high. If you are not adaptable, you are going to sink. In the NBA, you have to be adaptable to your team if you're going to be a head coach. Look how many years the Spurs were seen as a defensive team. They slow it down, play tough defense. That's their MO. That's how they play. And then over time they shifted and they became a fast paced offensive team. They still kept that kind of persona of being this boring team that just likes to play a lot of defense, even when their identity had actually shifted towards being one that was very offensive friendly. Uh, we saw that shift again, all under one coach, all under Greg Popovich. So having that adaptability, that flexibility is very important. And that's my long-winded way of saying that I believe Darvin Ham would not transfer over that exact system, but instead he would get one that would adjust to the Lakers. Robert Henderson with a $5 super chat. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, Mama mentality. Stotts has not it, made it past the second round. Is that a concern? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it was a, was a concern. Um, it's something that you have to consider. Something that you have to consider if you're the Lakers does this person have success late? Or do you look at it on the flip side and say, how many times did he make it to the playoffs though? And is that really what we're looking to do? Get to the playoffs and then LeBron James, you're going to carry us from there. Let's go with that versus somebody else. And again, that's that's weighing the pros and cons, right? Terry Stotts, you can say, well, he didn't get that far into the playoffs, sure. But how many times did he make the playoffs? He made it a lot. So isn't that a factor as well in the uh, the decision-making there? Uh, Robert Henderson said, the real question, 
frames. Why did Lakers Nation stop giving away the license plate frames? We ran out of them. And we just, we haven't made more since then. We ran out, we had a bunch, uh, we gave them away and we ran out of them. That's that's why we haven't been giving away the, the license plate frames. We had a bunch and we decided we we're gonna give these away, but uh, we will be doing future giveaways though. Those are gonna be coming. Uh, Super Chat said, thoughts on Jarrett Culver or Jalen Smith from the Lakers? So Jarrett Culver's interesting. I mean, young player still, but has really kind of struck out everywhere that he's been. You can take a flyer on him, but he's not somebody that you sign saying, okay, we've got, all right, here we go. We've got a rotation player. Pencil him in for 15 minutes a night. I don't think you can do that with Jared Culver. If you want to, again, kind of like a Stanley Johnson-esque where you say, all right, let's give this guy a shot and bring him in. Sure. But if you're going into the season saying we are going to depend on this guy, I think that's a mistake. Just like the Lakers made a mistake last summer when they said, oh, no big deal. We traded THT, Alex Caruso. I'm sorry. We traded KCP. We, uh, we are going to let Alex Caruso go. No big deal, though. THT, we're going to depend on you. 21-year-old, you're going to be our defensive stopper on the wing, even though we're not totally sure you can do that, and we haven't seen you do it before. I think going for Jarrett Culver and assuming he's going to be one of your key guys, he's doing the same thing. Doing the same thing. And if you can get him, end your bench guy, and if he hits, okay, and if he doesn't, oh well. If that's the scenario, low risk, sure. Yeah, give it a shot. Why not? But otherwise, if it's, hey, this is one of our main signings of the offseason, not not proven enough. Jalen Smith, I'm interested. Um, I've got some guys who would be ahead of him, but interesting. Could shoot a little bit from outside. Size, physical, a little bit clunky in terms of his movements and things like that. But um, He'd be an interesting guy to at least explore. I'm looking at, at other guys first. I'm looking at Mo Bamba first. I'm looking at Damian Jones first. Players like that in terms of, of centers that you could bring in. But he should be on the list. I, I think Jalen Smith should be on the list of guys that, that you consider. I'm not saying he's the top of that list, though. Uh, Kyle Roberts said, Would you not like Mark Jackson? I do think he deserves a coaching job. He developed the Warriors and what they are now. Kerr got all the credit. And yeah, that's, that's the argument for Mark Jackson is that he laid that foundation, therefore shouldn't you bring him in and allow him to do the same thing with the Lakers, put forth that foundation, that system, and then off you go, and hopefully you find success from there. That's the argument for Mark Jackson, and I'm not saying I would be totally against it. Um, I'm just saying there's, I can kind of see why the Lakers would be a little bit hesitant, again, if you look into some of the issues that, that popped up with, uh, with the Golden State Warriors with Mark Jackson and the reasons why they moved on. Uh, Mustafa Doty with a super chat. Thank you. Said, hey, Trevor, I love you, bro, for putting me on AG1, the healthy drink. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, I love it. Also, I just joined the live. Uh, fam, did you hear the Lakers could get Zach for Russ? It makes sense because Russ fits with that system. All right. So, uh, first of all, AG1, it's fantastic. I had mine this morning. I have mine every single morning. It is absolutely great. And I'm not saying that just because they are one of our, our sponsors. I, I legitimately do drink that every single morning. And I have been feeling a lot better in the afternoons. Um, just been feeling more energy and stuff like that. But I'll tell you more about that later. The Zach Levine thing. So this keeps coming up. The Zach Levine to the Lakers. This is, I was talking to Eric Pincus and he's like, this is going to be my, um, my, my thing this year. Last year, it was a, a sign and trade. Can the Lakers accept a player and sign and trade? And does that trigger the hard cap? He answered that question 500 times last summer. This summer, it's going to be Zach Levine to the Lakers. How can it happen? He wrote up a great, great piece for Bleacher Report explaining how mathematically, logistically, technically it's possible. But as I've been saying all along, it's extremely difficult. It's unlikely. Um, I'm, I'm looking at Zach Levine like this. It's not going to happen. That's my. That's the way I would recommend fans go into the offseason. That with the mindset of it's not going to happen. Because most likely, that's the way it's going to play out is Zach Levine to the Lakers does not happen. And then if it does happen, you can be pleasantly surprised. If you go into the offseason thinking Zach Levine to the Lakers is going to happen, most likely what's going to happen is you're going to wind up disappointed and frustrated. That we heard these rumors and then nothing went down. The latest one, it comes from LeVar Ball. I mean, does that, does that say enough right there, right? I mean, 
look, LeVar Ball, Lonzo plays for the Bulls. I'm sure there's some insight there beyond just him making something up. But it's not like this is coming from Mark Stein. It's not like it's coming from Woj. It's not like it's coming from Shams, Chris Haynes, anybody else. This is LeVar Ball saying, yeah, he's going to the Lakers. For Zach Levine to get to the Lakers... You've got to move Russell Westbrook. The Bulls don't want Russell Westbrook. They're not going to do a straight one-to-one swap there. That doesn't make a lot of sense. And they can't. Mathematically, they can't. Even if they wanted to. Let's say the Bulls lost their minds and they said, yes, Russell Westbrook's what we need. We'll give you Zach Levine for him in a sign-and-trade. Let's go. So that's a challenge for the Lakers, first and foremost, because you trigger a hard cap, and then you'd be absorbing the $36 million max salary for Zach Levine. Yes, you'd be parting with Russell Westbrook, but that's not enough of a cost savings to offset things, you would still be hitting that ceiling for a hard cap. So that's a problem right there. And then on the flip side, for the Bulls, because Zach Levine would be getting a big new contract, he only counts as 19 million going out for them, but 36 million coming in for the Lakers. So that means the Lakers have to salary match $36 million. The Bulls, though, can only salary match the 19, which makes it really tough to work a deal. So there can't be that direct rust for Zach Levine. It just it doesn't work. So instead, you'd have to loop in a third team, maybe even a fourth team, that would be willing to absorb some salaries one way or another. Maybe you send Russ to Indiana. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon goes to the Bulls and draft compensation. And, I don't know, you do something to move THT and Kendrick Nunn and clear that salary to get you a little further under the cap. And then something happens where, like, I don't know, Buddy Heald winds up going to a fourth team somewhere or something like that. But... I mean, just to get there, the hoops you have to jump through in order to make that happen, on top of the fact that Russ to the Bulls doesn't make a lot of sense, it just feels very unlikely. Is it something the Lakers should, should explore? Absolutely. Absolutely. If there's any way to make it work, you explore it. But again, when I look at this logistically, unless you want to get crazy and you want to wave Russ and trade AD straight to the Bulls in exchange for Zach Levine, which I would not recommend doing, if that's something that, that you want to do, okay, but again, I don't think that's realistic. I also don't think sending out Russ and somehow winding up with the, with Zach Levine is a very likely outcome for the Lakers. So again, my, my recommendation, never say never in the NBA. Sometimes crazy things happen. But my recommendation would be Lakers fans go into the offseason assuming it's not going to happen rather than go in thinking, oh my gosh, this could really take place. Because I think that's the path to disappointment. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, Mick, F. McIntyre said, Trevor, what's your realistic starting five for opening night, coach included? So LeBron and AD, coach... I'm going to say Darvin Ham gets it. That's 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 a complete guess. I mean, you could flip a coin right now. I'm not behind closed doors with the Lakers. I don't know exactly what their discussion looks discussions look like. So I'll say Darvin Ham, LeBron and AD are in the starting lineup. After that, anybody's guess because it depends on what they get they do. What do they get for Russ? If they trade Russ, if they trade Russ, and that's something we're going to talk about next. If they trade if they don't trade Russ, Russ is probably in the starting lineup. And we've been hearing that they've been asking their prospective head coaches in the interview process, what is it that you would do with Russ? How can you make him fit? Scared Lakers fans a little bit that they're actually considering keeping Russell Westbrook. But again, I'm going to get to that topic in just a minute. So I think if Russ is traded, it's probably LeBron and AD 
in the starting five. And then at least one thing that you got back for Russ. Maybe it's Gordon Hayward. Maybe it's Malcolm Brogdon. Maybe it's Terry Rozier. Could be multiple things. It could be Miles Plumlee, for all we know. Could be Kelly Oubre Jr. It really depends on what you wind up doing with Russell Westbrook. I also think you have to consider Austin Reeves potentially in the starting five. We'll see how he grows this summer. We'll see what uh, what that looks like, but I think he fits very well alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. There might be a spot there, particularly as a secondary ball handler if the Lakers go away from this idea that they have to have a dedicated point guard on the floor and go back to the concept that they used in 2019-2020 in which LeBron is essentially the de facto point guard on the roster. So I think Austin Reeves has to be at least in consideration. I'm not saying that's ultimately where you land, but you have to consider Austin Reeves as being a potential starter for the Lakers next season. Other than that, I don't see Stanley Johnson starting. I don't see Wenyan Gabriel starting. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, is he going to start? Only way it happens is if Russell Westbrook's not on the roster. I think he's probably coming off the bench. If he's still on the team, Kendrick Nunn, we got to find out if he's even healthy or not. So I know that sounds like that's a lot of just we don't know. It's up in the air, but it really depends on what happens with Russell Westbrook, what moves the Lakers make. Other than LeBron and AD, everything else is in question right now in terms of who's starting for this team next year. Uh, Vector Nova with the Super Chat said, Hey Trevor, do you think if the Lakers bring in a first-time head coach in him, it's more evidence of Westbrook being traded? If he is traded, what role do you think THT should have, assuming he stays? Good questions. So, yes, I do think it would be evidence because I think the stress of having Russ around would be pretty great regardless of who the coach is. I think if you're bringing in a rookie head coach, you're really, I mean, you're already asking a lot with LeBron, AD, you've got to bounce back from the worst season ever, all that stuff. That's a lot. You add Russ to the mix, you're really doing a disservice, I think, to your new head coach, uh, particularly if it's a rookie head coach. If it's Terry Stotts or somebody that's been through it, seen it, you know, has experience with Damian Lillard, all that. All right, maybe you can talk me into it there. If it is Darvin Ham, I think it is more evidence that they would move Russ. But I also would say that if you look back to last season, getting Russ should have meant either THT goes or you keep both THT and Caruso, but keeping THT by himself didn't make a lot of sense. Didn't make a lot of sense because Russ and THT on paper... It's one of the worst pairings in the NBA that you can come up with in terms of their skill set, how they would fit on the floor. It's terrible. I do think if Russ stays, THT becomes that much more likely to go because I would assume the Lakers see it the same way. And if Russ goes, THT becomes more likely to stay. I see him as an, an off-the-bench player uh, because part of his skill set is handling the basketball, and I don't know that that fits all that well alongside LeBron unless he goes and he becomes a really good off-ball shooter this offseason, I mean, who knows? He's very he's very young. Maybe he does. But I think his most likely role is being a ball handler slash initiator off the bench for the Lakers this season. That's what I'm seeing. Uh, Mark, Mark, when can the Lakers start buying picks for the draft? Right now. Right now. And that's something we need to talk about. That's something we need to talk about. And that is actually going to lead us into our Westbrook discussion. Right now, the Lakers could buy draft picks. Now, that's not normal, though. Most teams would not sell draft picks right now. They're going to sell draft picks closer to the actual draft, usually like even draft night, because they want to take time to bring in players. Players right now are going into teams and working out. Why would you sell a pick if you haven't seen everybody yet? You don't know exactly who's going to be there at your draft slot. So moving a pick right now doesn't make a lot of sense. Teams will wait. It'll be a month or so till they actually start moving draft picks. Now, buying a draft pick has become more and more expensive as the years have gone by, as teams have found more value in the second round. It's become more expensive, so who knows? Maybe the Lakers won't be able to buy a second-round pick. We've started to see the Lakers have to pay cash plus a future second in order to get second-rounders recently. So, again, depends on what the Lakers see in the draft, depends on what they see in their workouts, if they find somebody that they really like. That All that certainly matters. But, again, the big... Big, big, big part of this is the Lakers can already make trades. Any team that's eliminated can make trades. They can make trades right now. It's rare, doesn't happen often, but they can. Now, that leads us into the Westbrook discussion. So Mark Stein put out there today that while he has understood, well, he's also heard that, you know, the Lakers are indeed asking coaches 
about Russ in the interview process. He said he's not taking that as evidence that Russ is staying. So maybe it becomes the case that the Lakers, that the price is just too high for them to move Russell Westbrook. That's certainly a possibility. However, Stein says that you can't just assume that. And I agree. I think that if you're the Lakers, you'd be foolish not to ask any of these coaches what they would do with Russell Westbrook. Now, maybe you don't that make that your deciding factor because you're leaning heavily towards trading or whatever it is, but it's still important that you ask the question. You have to. Why wouldn't you ask that question? Knowing that there's a chance that as the trades, trade, stock, uh, trade talks start to ramp up, that Russ is simply too costly to move. And so you wind up being stuck with him and you want to know if you do wind up in that scenario, what is your coach going to do? Pretty important to know that, I think. So the Lakers would be foolish not to ask that question. I don't think it's necessarily evidence that they're keeping Russ. Uh, Stein said he would be very surprised if the Lakers did wind up keeping Russ, given everything that's gone on. And I feel the same way. I would be very, very surprised if the Lakers kept Russell Westbrook. I think there is a need to refresh things, to clear the air. I think things didn't work between Russ and Lakers fans. Think that matters. Things didn't work between Russ and LeBron. Things didn't fit with Russ and the Lakers organization. It was a mess. It was a mess. Top to bottom, beginning to end, it was a mess. And so, so I am of the, the opinion that ultimately the Lakers will move Russ, but I understand why they'd at least be asking those questions. However, this is what we're not talking about enough. This right here. Russell Westbrook, and the in his exit interview, he did not say whether or not he would pick up his player option. Most people laughed and scoffed, and I, I did too. Because Kendrick Nunn said, oh yeah, yeah, I'm picking up my player option, of course. He was just forthcoming, just said it. He's picking it up. Because of course he would. He spent all season injured. He's not getting a $5 million contract anywhere else. He's picking up that option. Everybody expects Russell Westbrook to pick up that player option. So why didn't, maybe he was just being grumpy. Maybe, that's... That's within the realm of possibility. But otherwise, why wouldn't he have just said, yeah, of course, it's $47 million. I'll be the highest paid player in the league. Why would I not pick that up? Why wouldn't he just say that? Here's why. Because the Lakers, right now, while they can make trades, today, the Lakers cannot trade Russell Westbrook. If a team calls up, if Indiana, Indiana, let's say Indiana loses their minds and they say, Malcolm Brogdon and Buddy Heald for Russell Westbrook. We don't need any picks. Straight up, let's just get this thing done. The Lakers can't do it. They are not allowed to trade Russell Westbrook until he officially picks up that option. Because otherwise, he is not under contract with the Los Angeles Lakers. That player option is still sitting out there. He does not have to decide whether or not he is picking up that player option officially until the end of June. Got until the end of the month. So if you're Russell Westbrook and you're looking at this situation and you say, man, Lakers are probably going to trade me, you're going to hold off as long as you can signing that option. Why? Because if you are going to be traded, you want to have any kind of say in where you ultimately wind up. Let's say Russell Westbrook doesn't want to be an Indiana Pacer. The Pacers call up Rob Palenka and they say, Brogdon, buddy, for Russ, let's get it done. The Lakers call up Ross and they say, hey, the Pacers, they're ready. They want to do this deal. Let's go. Uh, just uh, go ahead and sign right there. Let's go. What if Russ doesn't want to be a Pacer? He'll just say, well, I don't want to be a Pacer, so I'm not going to sign that, which means you can't trade me. He would then make it known that he doesn't want to be a Pacer. He would do what he could to try to scare them off. And he would wait until either a team pops up that wants to trade for him that he wants to go to, or until he hits that deadline and he absolutely has to. He's not going to give up that control until the moment he has to. Which means, if you're Russ, and say, again, hypothetical, let's say you don't want to be a Pacer and that Pacers deal is out there. If you're Russ, you're hoping that you can scare them away. Or that between now and the end of June, which a lot of things can happen then, the Pacers decide to go in a different direction. They find a different fit. They move on. You don't get traded there. So that is a factor in the Russell Westbrook trade conversations that I don't think we look at enough. We act as though Russ has already picked up that option, which then allows the Lakers to trade him whenever they feel like it. And that is not the case at all. In fact, Russell Westbrook can create a lot of problems for the Lakers if he wants. Now, ideally, the Lakers find a trade. Russ says, perfect. I'd love to play for that team. And off you go. 
That's the ideal situation. So I'm not trying to be pessimistic or anything like that. Sometimes it works out where everything is, is great for all parties involved. Russ goes to a place he wants to go to. The Lakers get the price that they want. The opposing team gets the player that they want and everything's great. That happens sometimes. But the Lakers, while they can make any trade right now, legally, as of today, they cannot trade Russell Westbrook. I think it's a factor in how all of this works with what goes on. All right, everybody. Let's take a quick break here to uh, give a quick word to our sponsors, Athletic Greens. Again, we got that great comment on them earlier. Truly is fantastic stuff. It's a quick three-minute break. So kind of reset. Three minutes. I will be right back. Lakers Nation, I want to pause for a moment and talk a little bit about Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because for me personally, I was interested in recovery. Number one, I've been trying to get back into shape and spending a lot of time in the gym, lifting weights, doing all those sorts of things. And I wanted to see if it could help with my recovery process and what that looks like. We all know how important recovery is in any type of athletic endeavor. And then also the mental clarity part of it. I'm the type of person where I've noticed, you know, middle of the day, I start to just hit this lull, this wall that I, I run into, and I've just found I'm just not as productive as I should be. And I'll admit, I was pretty skeptical when I went into this, uh, when I started taking AG1, but I've been very, very pleasantly surprised. Not only has my recovery improved, and I've been taking AG1 for about three weeks now, I've been making noticeable improvements in the gym, but the mental clarity piece to this, the energy piece to this, it has been noticeable in the afternoons. I simply have more focus, more energy. I just noticed suddenly I'm getting way more done during the day. I'm accomplishing more tasks on my to-do list rather than pushing things off to the next day. And that means for all of you, that means more Lakers Nation content, more NBA front office content, everything else that we bring. It's been absolutely fantastic. I can't believe how productive I've been while taking AG1. So what is AG1? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. And that is exactly how I take it. It's the first thing I take in the morning. Instead of getting coffee or an energy drink or something like that, I drink my AG1. One, this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, aging, all of the things all in one. And it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself that you would have to go out and find. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens, it was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It cost him over $100 per day. He created Athletic Greens after experiencing how difficult it was to create an optimal nutrition routine on your own. And for me, I'm super busy. The sports world, it moves at a lightning fast pace. So Athletic Greens, very quick, very simple for me to get my nutrition in one place. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash LakersNation. Again, it's athleticgreens.com slash LakersNation to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f***ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Don 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, welcome back. I've got, I gotta, I gotta address this because I love that you guys noticed this. Uh, Mike Wolf said, bruh, how did Trevor upload a video while streaming? Uh, yeah, so I did just publish the front office show from today while the AG1 ad was, was running. The way that works is, and yes, that's me putting in the extra work. Keith and I recorded the front office show right before we went live here. So I uploaded the front office show, um, but it was still processing when our, our show here started. So while the AG1 ad was running, by that time, uh, front office had finished uh, processing. And so I went ahead and published that while that ad was running. So yeah, balancing a couple of different things here, but that's that's why that happened. So if you just got a notification that the front office show just published, that's that's why we recorded it right before this. And I just got to finish it right then. All right, let's see what else we've got going on here. I've got a lot of questions and comments. We'll do a few more things here, and then we will head off to the weekend. Oh no, I've got people in our in our in our chat that are arguing the asterisk thing with the Lakers championship. Look, I don't want to relitigate this too much here, but depending on. Whether or not someone considers the the 2019-2020 NBA championship an asterisk is entirely dependent on whether or not they like the team that won. I guarantee you, if someone who's saying it deserves an asterisk, if their team had won it, they would not be saying that. They wouldn't. And I'll also say that the discussion before the bubble, before they even started all of that, was largely, would this be considered a ring that would need an asterisk? We had so many different people that were talking about that because we had four months of no basketball. And when it was announced that basketball was coming back, that was one of the big talking points. I'm not talking about just on Lakers Nation. I'm talking about the national NBA media. And the general consensus was no, because we're so happy that basketball is coming back and every team is playing in the same environment. So there's no reason for this to be an asterisk. But yet as soon as the Lakers became the team to win it, suddenly you had all these people saying, oh, clearly this was an asterisk thing. The Lakers don't win it. If you don't get this break, it was set up just so the Lakers can rest and all of that, conveniently forgetting that the Lakers were on a roll right before everything shut down. They had just beaten the two top contenders at that time, along with the Lakers. They had beaten the Clippers and the Bucks on the same weekend. And that had been the big question mark around the Lakers. A lot of people said, well, the Lakers are good, but they can't beat the top teams. They beat them both back to back on the same weekend. And Giannis Antetokounmpo had just gotten hurt. He just suffered an injury. We were talking about LeBron potentially getting MVP as Giannis had gone down with an injury that was going to keep him out for at least a few weeks, a knee injury, and then everything shut down. So people say, oh, well, the Lakers were healthy because of the shutdown. No, the Lakers were healthy before things shut down. Other teams were not healthy and then got healthy during the four months that everything was shut down. And then the Lakers were the team that pushed to get home court advantage, lost that, that was taken away. No one had home court advantage and they lost a starter. Avery Bradley didn't go to the bubble. They filled in with KCP. Now they were fortunate that they had a quality player like KCP who could step into that role. But Avery Bradley had been one of, if not their best perimeter defenders that year. And they lost him. So if anything, and again, I'm biased looking at this. Of course, this is Lakers Nation. But if anything, the Lakers were hurt by things shutting down for four months and then restarting in the Orlando bubble. So in my mind, there's no reason why that should be an asterisk, regardless of who won. Had the Miami Heat won, I wouldn't say there needed to be an asterisk. It didn't matter who won. We knew there was no asterisk going in. And assuming that the Lakers only won because things shut down and that allowed them to stay healthy, 
I think most likely that's incorrect, particularly when we look at how things were going right before everything got shut down. There, that's, that's, I've said my piece on that plenty of times. Somebody said only KD's rings have asterisks. I don't think, I, I don't think any teams have asterisks, any championship. A championship is so difficult to win. We're spoiled. We're spoiled in that we see a Lakers team that has contended for championships more often than not. I mean, they've been absolutely incredible. They've had a who's who of stars. So it almost feels like, oh, that just, it just happens. But winning a championship is so, so difficult. Not going to put an asterisk by anybody's championship. Doesn't matter. Wancho says, Trevor, can you invite Trevor Lane from the front office show next Friday? I feel like you guys would get along. Yeah, no problem. I think we can figure out a way to make that, make that work. All right, let's see what else we've got going on here. Only the Astros, maybe, somebody said. That actually makes some sense. If you have evidence that a team broke the rules and cheated in order to win a championship, that's a different story. But you're talking about an even playing field across all teams where all teams are in the same situation. There's no asterisk there. Rob Fiorelli. Was there ever any real reporting on Phil Handy getting a shot to coach? Doesn't look like he was ever in contention, but hope he stays on the staff. Uh, agree on, on all parts. Agree on all parts there. So I do think that, uh, that, that there was one report that mentioned that he would want to be a head coach, but that was the only thing I can remember seeing. Nothing concrete about the Lakers looking at him to be a head coach or anything like that. I'm also in agreement that, yeah, I hope he stays on the staff. I think he's a great assistant coach. I think he probably deserves a look at head coach. I wanted him to get a look at, as being a head coach the last few months of the season. I want If the Lakers knew, I said this a bunch of times, the Lakers knew they were moving on from Frank Vogel, do it, move on from him, and hand the keys over to Phil Handy and find out. Find out what he's got as a head coach. Give it a shot. That was what was my preference for how the Lakers would finish the season. They didn't go that route, and there were pros and cons to keeping Frank Vogel, going Phil Handy. I thought they should have given him a shot. I think he's great. And uh, I really do hope that he stays on the coaching staff as well. <laughs> uh, Jay Joe. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with your, with your super chat. 100%. Uh, Porter Allen adds in from Facebook, the bubble made it an even playing field because of no travel, meaning lower seed team had just as much chance to win as the higher seed. Yeah, that's a good point that I, that I didn't bring up. You also eliminate travel in that situation. All right, let's do a couple more here. Oh, Carol Zorbano from Facebook with a, with a super chat said, I hope Frank Vogel gets another coaching job or just from Facebook, uh, another coaching job too. He's still a good coach. I think he will. You know, he already got an interview with the Hornets for that job. I don't think he's going to get that job. Um, I don't think he should get that job. And I'm not saying it's because Frank Vogel is bad. I think his style isn't a good fit for the Hornets. Um, I think it's stepping into a lot of the same problems that the Lakers had in terms of being uh, more offensive focused, not having good defenders. I think that would be a big, big challenge. So I don't think he's the right fit for Charlotte, but I think it's a good sign for him that he already got another coaching interview. I think he probably winds up Eventually, it might not be this year, but eventually he'll pop up again somewhere. He may have to spend a year or two as an assistant, but I would, I would be surprised if he didn't get an op another opportunity to be a head coach somewhere. Uh, Jeff from YouTube said, you can't have LeBron play the majority of his minutes at point guard because he's not the same player that he was two years ago. The decline is real. So when I talk about LeBron as point guard, I'm really talking about him as an initiator. I'm not talking about him chasing around your point guards defensively. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just in terms of his role on the offensive end of the floor. And so calling him the point guard, maybe that's, it's misleading. Really, we're just talking about who initiates the offense. I mean, you look at like Kobe was the two guard. Derek Fisher was the point guard. But more often than not, Kobe was the initiator of the offense. It was Kobe that the offense ran through. Derek Fisher became more of the off-ball 3 and D style guy. So even in, in that example, you've got a situation where your, your point guard isn't really your initiator or, or whatever. And this, this is a case where LeBron, technically he would be the power forward or the small forward or, or whatever, 
but he'd just be the guy initiating the offense. Now you can say that's too big of a burden to have him initiate the offense all the time, and that's fine. I think you need some secondary initiators, but I think when push comes to shove, when there's four minutes left in a game and you need to win, the ball's going to be in LeBron's hands, period. Even if, even if he's declining, his passing ability is still on another level. He's one of the best passers we've ever seen in this game, and his ability to read the floor is as well. So you're going to want the ball in his hands regardless. Now you can make the argument that you have to take some of the burden off of him, but I think we've seen for a couple seasons in a row now that you also run into problems if you bring in a point guard whose job it is to take that burden off of LeBron, but isn't willing to cede control the majority of the time to LeBron. That's why I think you need more of a backup caliber point guard that can occasionally fill in rather than a guy who feels like they should be the starter and they should have the ball. Uh, Ryan Bass with a super chat said, Trevor, hi. Hi, Ryan. I'm still wondering if it makes uh, sense to ship out either AD or LeBron for max returns while they're still worth something. So if you believe that AD and LeBron are not going to be able to get it done this year and are simply diminishing their value, then sure, maybe that, that does make sense. I don't think the Lakers, from an organizational standpoint, want to do that. I think they've tried very hard to build themselves up as a superstar-friendly organization and therefore giving up on a superstar and trading them away, it doesn't fit with that specific goal. I also don't think the Lakers look at AD or LeBron and assume that they're done. I think you look at AD and you hope he can stay healthy, even if you're realistic about it. Um, it really depends. If you feel like Anthony Davis is going to get hurt a bunch next year and he's never going to be healthy ever again, then yeah, you probably see the value diminish year after year after year. But if you have hope that he can maybe play the bulk, of, if he can play 65 games in a season and you feel pretty good about that, then you probably don't trade him away because when he's on the floor, he's more valuable, most likely than anything you're going to get in return. All right, everybody, we're going to wrap things up there. I appreciate everybody coming in and joining today. Great chat. Really enjoyed uh, the conversation here. And uh, guys, if you enjoyed it, make sure that you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, ring that notification bell. And of course, over on Apple Podcasts, we've got some great reviews coming in there. I love reading them. Uh, if you could, toss us a five-star rating and a review. Easy way to help out the show. Really appreciate if you take 20 seconds and, and do that over on Apple Podcasts. That's, um, that, would, that would really help us out. Till next time, everybody. Have a fantastic weekend. See ya and stay safe. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.